you've just turned 50 and moved across country two weeks earlier. Over the next 10 days, you find yourself in the ER twice with various symptoms, including a racing heartbeat, sky-high blood pressure, and a bladder control issue. After scores of tests and a trip to the cardiologist, it's determined that outside of hormones due to menopause, there's nothing seriously physically wrong with you. There is, however, a serious issue with anxiety, codependency, performing and producing for approval, intrusive thoughts around health, and no peace or contentment in your life despite being very faith-based. While that's not my story, it is the story of today's guest, Melissa Crook. Thus began her journey in connecting the dots to how unprocessed, denied, stuffed, disassociated feelings and emotions have a direct effect on our physical health and emotional and spiritual peace. As she's traveled this healing journey since the fall of 2019, she learned so many things she wants to share with other women. Her hope is that you can learn and be inspired to embark on your own health journey and live your best, healthiest, most content life, avoiding some of the mistakes she made. Today, she runs the Feel podcast and soon-to-be Embracing Layers radio show, where she introduces each guest by their character traits rather than their accolades and experiences. To send the message that who we are and where our value is based is not in what we do, but what our character traits are and the value we were created with. Can't wait for you to hear her story. Welcome to the Life Beyond Infertility podcast. In case you're new here, I'm Charlie Dice. I'm a child-free, not-by-choice millennial who struggled with infertility for eight years. Our journey included three miscarriages, DNCs, failed fertility treatments, and ultimately the devastating decision that traditional parenthood just wasn't meant for us. After coming to that conclusion, my husband and I felt even more lost, isolated, and depressed than we did while we were trying to conceive. All the people who were with us throughout our journey to have a baby disappeared. Fertility clinics stopped checking in. People I met in groups online stopped messaging. We felt like we were on an island all by ourselves with no hope of rescue. I did my own research, of course, but found very little out there for people who were either trying to decide if ending their journey was right for them or had made that decision and were asking themselves like I was, now what? Facing fertility had been our entire lives and had become an obsession for almost the last decade. How did we just turn those feelings off and move forward? What was our purpose in life now? What did the future look like as a family of two? Finding almost no information or support, I decided I'd figure it out myself. I worked for a year and a half, reading, writing down my feelings, posting on social media to share my story and get things out into the universe, even if it meant I was the only one who'd ever read it. The result was my own healing journey, where my husband and I were able to come to terms with our new reality and actually find happiness and purpose again. Today, we're closer than we've ever been, and we're able to look back on what we went through with a lens of hope and excitement for the future, rather than being stuck in that painful past. All this to say, I've been where you are now. I know what it feels like to feel hopeless, abandoned, and angry at the world. This podcast is a way for me to hopefully bring awareness to those of us out there who didn't get to be a member of the Earthside Mom Club, but who still want, and frankly deserve, a life where we're not just surviving, but thriving. A life beyond infertility. Now let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Life Beyond Infertility podcast. I have another special guest today, which I'm super excited to chat with. Her name is Melissa Crook. She is with the Feel podcast. She's a fellow podcaster, fellow boss woman. So I'm excited to 
chat with her today and we're on opposite coasts. She's in the West Coast. I'm East Coast. We're going to make this work and have some fun chatting with her today. Welcome, Melissa. I'm so excited and thankful um, that you are here today with us. Thanks so much, Charlie, for this opportunity. I love when fellow female podcasters connect and and yes. we get to share our work and our platforms. And, and that to me is what this is all about, is just opening up these conversations and talking about these things that we need to take the stigmas off of and show up supporting each other in. Yeah, absolutely. Before we dive into your podcast, who is Melissa Crooked? What's your story? How are you coming to us in this space today? My story, I'm 54. I have a mom. I'm a partner. I have a wonderful husband. We've been together for 30 years now. We just celebrated our 30th anniversary. Three grown daughters, one married, one soon to be engaged, and one in her senior year of college. And so we kind of were pretty much almost empty nesters. The youngest is coming to visit for the weekend tomorrow. We still have her stuff here. Other than that, we're transitioning. <laughs> but what I found is I got to age 50 and I realized that I had not been paying attention to my emotional and mental health the same way I had been my physical health. And it came back to bite me and all these Mm -hmm. unprocessed emotions and traumas that I've been stuffing while I was busy taking care of everything and everyone else, which I think we as women feel charged to do, it all of a sudden started showing up in some other ways. And it forced me to take a step back and be like, wait a minute, what is happening here? got into therapy, started addressing these things, found out my physical symptoms that were showing up were all a result of these other things I hadn't processed. There was nothing physically going on other than these symptoms as a result of me not taking care of business in my mental and emotional health department. And I, you know, talking to women, I know women all over the country, we've lived all over the place. I'm like, we are guilty of this as women. We hit, we Mm -hmm. don't deal with these things until we've hit a wall. And it's like, we've yes. got to stop hitting the wall. And we have to start talking about the things because this, the things that we're stuffing are things like what we're going to talk about today, infertility, miscarriages, mm-hmm. the shame around that, the guilt around that, the, oh, mine isn't that I call it, I coined this a couple of years ago, weaponized gratitude. And we like, mm. oh, well, it could be worse. So we do it to ourselves. People do it to us. And so consequently, we don't deal with it. We have to like get away from this idea that there's one predominant emotion and that's the only thing we're allowed to feel. We are nuanced people. We can feel and process many things at one time. We've got to make room for that with ourselves and give grace to others to be able to do that too. And it's by having these kinds of conversations today that people can feel safe to do that. That kind of that started my journey. And I started thinking, I'm like, how can I, I've always been passionate about women, women's causes. I've been that way my whole life. I didn't grow up in an environment that was really about that. I grew up in a very conservative environment and a very emotionally and mentally unstable environment. Um, And so I really had to kind of find my way through that, but I've always felt passionate about women and women's voices and showing up for women. And I'm like, this is something we need to be talking about. And I know a lot of women and we're going to start having these conversations. And that really birthed the idea. My husband and I were doing a dream wall one day on his birthday. He wanted to do it. It was his idea. It's spring of 2021. And I came up with the idea of the podcast and grabbed a couple of 
just graduated 2020 college students that I knew that I, one that I worked mm-hmm. with and another one that was one of my daughter's roommates that need work and needed, and they knew how to do the technical side of things. I'm like, I can talk, just tell me what kind of right? microphone to get, <laughs> you know, let's come up with some talking points and, you know, and somebody produce and edit this thing and somebody set up a website and let's go. Cause I've got That's women awesome. for days that we can talk to. So that, that is really kind of what birthed that. I just, this idea of like, we need to start, we need, we got to normalize these conversations. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I do want to thank you, you know, on behalf of myself and women everywhere for what you're doing in the space and having conversations that a lot of us are more comfortable talking about with strangers than we are with people in our circles, just having a platform to be able to do that on. So thank you for that. And I do want to jump in and get your perspective you know, on the topic of infertility today. And I know in looking over your show notes, you have three daughters, which is amazing, um, but you did suffer a miscarriage. Can you talk about that and and how that was different for you mentally and emotionally? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that was one of those times I was in my early thirties and I had literally just, I had three children from like age five, I think we were five, three and one and a half. So we were in the busy, busy stage. We had just moved. My husband was traveling a lot at the time. I had just started staying home. I just, I stayed home for 10 years with the girls, did a lot of other things within the schools, but stayed home. This had just begun. So I was already at the beginning of a weird journey that way. It was a choice. I wanted to do it, but it was just an adjustment and it would change and move and all those things. And in the midst of all of this, I find out I'm pregnant with our fourth, which was not planned. And I just, I panicked. I was just like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I mean, he's, and, and we we knew what we were getting into with his job. We, we fully understood it. We were in the same town for that five years. We were in the same town as his parents who were very supportive. So we had good support around us to, to help. It was part of the reason we felt like we could take this on, but the thought of of another one in this stage of life, I, I was like, okay, okay, okay. I got to wrap my head around this. And three days later I miscarried. And then I was, then I was like, I did this. I, my, okay. my insureness and my like, this wasn't planned. I didn't, this wasn't a pregnancy I was looking for. I then moved into this space I did this. I caused this, which is completely irrational. But that's where I went, partly because I think the spaces and environment I was in at the time, in terms, again, coming up in a very conservative environment, I've left those spaces since then. But this, this idea that also that I'd failed. And also on the third thing is like, I'm so lucky. And this is where the weaponized gratitude comes in. I'm so lucky I have nothing to be sad about. I have these three beautiful girls. There are so many women that can't get pregnant or keep having miscarriages. They've never been as fortunate as me. So I'm not going to complain about this because I'm really lucky. And that's where I sat in it for years. And this is one of those things that I really didn't process all that I felt in it until probably two or three years ago when I started diving into all the things that I had stuffed because- that's what we do as women. We take in the temperature of the people around us and we decide what it is they can handle and what how yeah. we can make them comfortable at our own expense. 
so many times. Yes. I'm not saying we don't be gracious. I'm not saying we don't be respectful, but not at the cost of ourselves. But we've been conditioned to take care of everything and everyone else. And if we do anything differently than that, then it's selfish. And that's just not true. It was a loss. It was a trauma. It happened. And I think we have to put, I, I was guilty, but I think we do this as a culture. We rank grief. We rank the kind of loss it is. We compare. And it's like, and you talked about this. I listened to a couple of your episodes. This kind of loss is a different kind of loss. Really? It's, it's not, you haven't like known the life and held the child. It's just, it's hard to put a handle on. So I think it gets missed, pushed to the back too soon. Not to mention your body is going through all of the hormonal things that your body does when it, ha when it does give birth. You're still getting racked by hormones. You're still, sure. you know, I was, I bled for 10 days heavily. My mom had two miscarriages. I didn't know that was a thing. I knew my mom had two mm -hmm. miscarriages and I knew that she was feeling because of the environment that we lived in was feeling pressured that she should be having more children, mm -hmm. but I had no, and I was little. So, you know, some of that's that, but the point being they didn't, it wasn't talked about and it wasn't even talked about as a loss. And if you weren't having these babies, because there's so much pressure on women to be moms. And yes. if that is something you want and something you decide is good for you and you are fortunate enough, great. But you're not any less valuable because we can't or decide not to be a mom. And that's another thing that has to stop is this value or not that's placed on women based on whether they're a parent or not. Yeah, I'm curious. I, I want to ask you this too, because, you know, you are a mom of Earthside babies and I'm not. And and you talked about value and what we put on ourselves as women. So when I get the comment, whether well-intentioned or not, of, well, you're, you're never going to know love because you're not a mother. What, like, what do you say to that? I mean, what goes through, like, how would you respond to that as someone who has had both sides of it? One, it's like, I appreciate that that is your opinion, but you don't get to decide how I feel and what my experience is. One, we've got to quit doing that too. We've got to quit imposing our experiences and assuming our experiences and our opinions in these areas are the same as somebody else. That's just not true. We all have our own journey. We all have our own emotions that we feel and we're affected by. Two, I just don't agree with that. In my personal, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love my daughters and beyond anything I could imagine, but I also love my husband beyond anything I could imagine. And I have experienced the greatest love of my life from my partner. Um, he's the first person that loved me unconditionally. He's the first person that accepted me exactly who I was and never has asked me to be anything else other than that. And so mm -hmm. for me, that's just a fallacy too. And if you don't have a partner, maybe you have that love with a, a friend or with a sibling. If that is your experience, that is your experience. But please do not assume that that is everyone's experience. That's, that's, that's unfair and it's insensitive. Right. 
Yeah, no, I kind of sprung that question on you, but I was curious because I do get it a lot when people find out that I'm childless and I I go by child-free, not by choice. That's a a journey that I've been on and that's how I identify, but Mm -hmm. it's just interesting to me. And I want to kind of transition that into your podcast. How did you, with your miscarriage and you said you've gone to therapy and everything, what were some of the coping mechanisms that maybe you push them down for a while, but once you dug it back up, what did you do to kind of move through that grief or work through that grief to face that trauma? Um, I ha- First, I had to acknowledge it and I had to put words to it and I had to yes. say and write down what it was I was feeling. I had to allow the hard thing about hard emotions. And I don't believe in good or bad emotions. Emotions are clues and they're there to serve us and tell us what it is we're feeling so that we can move through it and cope through it. So I just don't believe the negative, positive emotions. I don't believe in that. That's, and I've come to that point. I wasn't there five years ago, but I've come to that. But you first, you've got to allow yourself to name it and sit in it and quit feeling shame about it. I don't need to feel guilty about the fact that this happened or that I was lucky enough. Yes, I was lucky enough to have three daughters. That doesn't make this less of a traumatic event. It was difficult in different ways for different people. But for me, so just sitting in that and acknowledging it, that was hard and acknowledging Mm -hmm. that I had and forgiving myself. I had to forgive myself. I had to quit believing that I made this baby miscarriage, that my concern, my fear, my panic. This wasn't planned. We were just going to have all those things that were going through my head. I didn't make it happen. It just that we all have different views on when life is like, but that baby as it was, was not meant to be. It wasn't going to thrive. It wasn't going to be healthy. It wasn't its time. Right. And that's that. And I did not do anything to cause that no amount of thoughts or fear or guilt. So I first had to forgive myself. For me, that was the big thing and sit in it and cry and feel it and you feel it in your body and you and instead of resisting it, you know, I had to be willing to sit. And one of the things I've learned to do, I've learned to meditate. I've learned to do yoga. I've learned to sit and have 10 to 15 minutes of just quiet every day. And I didn't do that until I was 50, 51 years old, because there was so much going on that if I sat with myself for any minute, I was, it was going to all come out and I was going to have to actually name it and acknowledge it. So that, that was my process. It was very difficult, but necessary. And finally just naming it. And I never talked to my husband about it until three years ago. And he's like, I had no idea. I'm like, well, I, and that wasn't his fault. That was just the narrative. That was the time that I told ourselves our mothers both have miscarriages. It wasn't talked about. It wasn't discussed. It was a thing that happened. And then she told me like physically what to expect, but there was no discussion about what was going to happen to me emotionally and thoughts and feelings that I might be having that would go along with it. And I think that's such a huge missing piece. And I don't understand. I've been helping women with it and gone through it myself for a year and a half now. And I still can't wrap my head around the fact that we are never as women given and and men, because obviously I don't want to leave them out. They, they suffer from infertility as well, but you know, we are never given the tools 
as young women growing up, even as adult women to deal with this. I mean, I didn't even know that I couldn't get pregnant all, all through high school and sex ed and whatever, you know, you're told just abstain or be on birth control for, yeah. you know, 20 years of your life and then you'll come off and then magically you'll, you'll pregnant be pregnant. And- yes. Yes. Yeah. And it's just like, I try to talk about this all the time because I'm like, we need to have this next generation of girls and women understand that this is a realistic and probable um, outcome for you. And let's give you the tools to be able to work through this. I hope that it never happens to you, but let's not pretend that it doesn't. In that sense, what would you even for yourself, like what would you recommend, mm-hmm. you know, were some of the tools you mentioned yoga and meditation and just sitting in it. Did you do that with the help of a therapist or did you do that kind of on your own or was it a combination? It was a combination. It was a combination. I, I was in therapy. I, I used a, a, it's called EMDR. And so I was an EMDR patient. And so that was one of the modes as well as talk therapy and and, and different things that my therapist would use with me. And as these things would come up, it'd be like, all right, this is the next thing. Basically I was, I felt safe. I was in a safe enough space in my life where my, because that's the other thing we have to feel safe before our bodies will allow us to process these things. And safety can look like a little, a lot of different things, culturally safe. Is it, are these things talked about in our family? Is our family a sweep it under the rug and put on a happy face? I mean, so you have to feel like you're going to, your body and your nervous system knows, and it will not allow you to move through these things until you feel like you're in a safe space. And sometimes that requires you setting some boundaries to create your own safe space. Like I respect that this is something that's hard for you. You may not have to deal with, but but it's not working for me. So respectfully, I'm going to do this. You can be with me or not. So it can, it can require that. And we have to have, you know, one of the things I've been trying to be a lot more mindful with, with my daughters is be aware of the kind of birth control you use, be aware of how long you use it, know what it does to your body know the effect that these hormones have if you decide to go on the pill that's hormonal based but get educated don't just because western medicine and it's just now starting to move the needle and there are practitioners out there that are asking the right questions that have just seen enough happening with their female patients they're starting to pay attention but when they go to med school it isn't they're not told or trained to give all this other information and so we've just been trying to like the doctor put me on birth control so many teenagers if they're having period issues if they're having acne issues whatever the answer to everything the magic answer is the pill but no one tells them what that does to their bodies and if you stay on the pill from you're 16 and you decide at 32 or 33 all of a sudden you're like, maybe it doesn't, but maybe it does. And I had friends that it took them a long time to get pregnant a longer, yeah. long enough that they were getting nervous. Like, why is this taking, you know, two, three years after they went off the pill and they're still not pregnant because we're not mm-hmm. having these discussions. Also, no one tells you about miscarriage and what happens to your body. This needs to be happening in, in the sex education classes. This needs to be happening yes. with parents as they talk to their kids about it. I mean, these are things I could have all done better. And I've learned as I've gone through my own stuff, I'm like, ooh, this is what we could do better. And I could go back and try to fix it now. But, you know, ask these questions of your doctors. If you're not sure, ask, find out what is happening to your body. When you find out you're pregnant, get 
the skinny on everything. And, and yeah. which can be, seem kind of like, you're not trying to doom yourself, but you need to be prepared and educated. If no one's told you, ask the questions. And if they kind of poo-poo it and like, oh, well, we'll cross that bridge. Be, oh, you're going to be fine. No, it's like, I need to know. I need to know all the things that are possible. My generation was the first generation that had what to expect when you're expecting. Mm-hmm. And that, thank God, because no one told us anything. Like all these right. things that were happening to my body. If I hadn't had that book, I would have been in a panic every day. I mean, I mean we need but, to have one now that's like what to expect when you're miscarrying. I mean, when because- you're miscarrying, when you're having in vitro treatments, when, yes, I mean, yeah. why, but, you know, there's all of this conversation after the fact, but there's none of this conversation on the front side. We've got to change that narrative and give, empower ourselves and our daughters and our sons with mm-hmm. information because boys can't show up if they don't know what it is they're supposed to show up for. And it's okay right. to expect that and put that ex- that responsibility expectation as a partner, you need to show up this way too. Right. And it's exactly what you said with even the medical professionals not taking it seriously and like really educating the patients about it. I mean, I remember when I had my first miscarriage, I had to go to the emergency room and I was by myself. My husband was out of town and I was in there for six hours and the doctor came in and literally these words were said out of her mouth. She said, you just have to pass this baby. And that was it. And I, like, I didn't, I just sat there and, you know, this being my first miscarriage, not having a clue, being by myself, you know, I'm panicking. I'm not even really knowing what, where I'm at right now. And I thought as I'm driving home, like, I don't even, what does that mean? Like, I don't even know what that means. I don't know what's about to happen to my body, you know, so I'm Googling and I'm going down the rabbit hole and it's just like, she could have handled that in so many different ways that would have been incrementally better and more beneficial to me as a patient and her being a woman, even if she had not been through it herself, it's like, come on, like, let's support each other here. Like I'm a young woman that's alone that has never experienced this before and that's what you say to me you know so it's just yeah and I don't know like I mean obviously these conversations need to be had but I I feel like women need to when they're in their annual exams or when they're going in for treatments like you said ask the questions like speak up and if you don't understand something say that because that's the only way that you're going to be taken seriously Yeah, absolutely. My friend, Dr. Shalana Battle, who's a wonderful women's nurse practitioner, and she's, she's actually our guest this week that's on our podcast. And she's one of those women that is taking kind of the bull by the horns and decided to start her podcast because she was finding women were not feeling empowered to ask questions. And she had, and she's like, so she talks a lot about, these are the questions you need to be asking. This is what you have a right to know. I was like, okay, I just want to put you on a bulletin board because thank God, but she saw it in her own practice and she's changing the way she practices and she's influencing and making that kind of a call of hers to make sure women, because there's a lot of trust issues with women in regards to this. You see it women across the board but you see it especially even more so with black women, Hispanic women, women that are immigrants that are coming from other countries, maybe they don't speak the language as well, that are, that there's history of this, the mistreatment. So the trust issue is already there, not to mention there wasn't even, I don't know if I'm going to get this exactly right, but NIH did not start doing 
experiments with women and women's health issues until 1993. Wow. How is that even possible? And so right. I think too, I think sometimes we as women, if we have a female doctor, we assume that if she didn't bring it up, that it must not be worth talking about. Don't assume yes. that just because yes. she's, she went to the same medical school as your male doctor. So we can't make that assumption. We've got to empower ourselves and equip ourselves and not feel guilty. You have a right to know what's happening to your body. You have a right yeah. to talk about what's happening to your body. You have a right to feel supported about what's happening to your body. And you have a right to feel and experience and process what's happening with your body, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, all of that. I, I am so passionate about that. And I did, and nothing, it, it comes through so strongly in fertility area, the pregnancy loss area, menopause. There's so many things around women's health that we have got to talk about more and quit acting like it's, no one needs to whisper that somebody's pregnant. No one needs to whisper that somebody's on their period. No one needs right. to whisper that somebody's in menopause. That's ridiculous. So we have to stop that. And it's by having these conversations that we normalize these. So our daughters and our sisters and our friends and ourselves, I mean, I don't care if you're 70 years old, if you, this right. resonates with you, if you've got some unprocessed trauma from one of these things, deal with it, get better. You, you deserve it. I was just going to say, you deserve to be heard and you deserve yes. to feel better and feel empowered. And yeah, absolutely. All of that. Yeah. But we've got to rise yeah. up as women and do it together and, and feel yeah. empowered to, and be for each other and get rid of this scarcity mindset and just show up for each other and make room for all the nuance of emotions and feelings and experiences, because my experience isn't going to be the same as yours, but we can show up and support sure. each other in it and honor and respect that. Yeah. There's plenty of space for all of us. We just need to support each other and not see each other's competition. Yes. Yeah. You had an episode that I loved and you talked about the childless versus child free and the nuances that you were running into with that. And I'm like, good for her for speaking up about that because there, again, it, it's nuance. It's not one way or another. It's not black or white. It's not this dualistic thing. There's room for all of it. And also I don't, I don't get to decide your experience and you don't get to decide mine and nor should we Absolutely. think that, that is something that we should be doing. So I, I wanted to point that out because I thought that was a really good, that clearly that struck a nerve with you, but you spoke up about it. Those are the kinds of things we have to start doing because we don't speak up about them. Nothing changes. No, thank you for saying that and validating that. Cause it, until I was in this situation, sure, I had no idea that there even was a spectrum of women like that, you know? And yeah. I think obviously we know women sure. can be vicious to each other, especially. And it just, it astounded me at how polarizing that discussion was. And I was like, it's just, we just need to talk about it, talk it out, get it out and keep having the conversation to understand each other better and realize yeah. that nobody is right. And nobody is wrong. It's just whatever your experience is yeah. and that's okay. I want to transition to your podcast and what you're mm -hmm. doing with the feel podcast. Can you kind of explain, I mean, you, you explained how it kind of came to be, but yeah. you know, ultimately like, what are your, you know, what are your goals for your podcast and, and the guests that you choose to have on it? 
Um, well, it's called find, FEEL is an acronym for finding empowerment, embracing layers. And I firmly believe that I, I was running into this wall with women believe self-care is selfish. They believe putting themselves first is selfish. We've got to get rid of that misnomer. And in my journey of doing that, what I realized is until we see ourselves as valuable enough to make the time to do that, we're not going to make it a priority. And the journey to seeing yourself as value enough, valuable enough is embracing all of your layers, all those pieces that you're made up of, all those seasons of your life, all those decisions that are hard, ugly, beautiful, complex, all those things, giving grace and, and gratitude and empathy and joy, all those things to where they need to be. But embracing all that and forgiving ourselves for the things we need to forgive ourselves from, feeling the things we haven't allowed ourselves to feel. And when we do that, that's when we can live to be our fullest self, seeing ourselves exactly who we are. We decide. We decide what expectations we have. We set our healthy boundaries. We don't let the world narrate that for us, but it got to start with us. And then we have to communicate those things to other people because people will put the expectations on you and they will run through your boundaries if you don't communicate those things. And that comes from believing you're valuable enough to do that. And I saw all the pieces that came into play. So we have eight talking points that we go through in this journey. We talk about healthy boundaries, expectations, the connection of emotional health and physical health. We talk about um, living out of our values and our why. So we can assess what it is we're going to say yes and no to. And we are very guilty of saying yes to everything. So how do we, how do we narrow that down? Um, and, and naming our emotions, naming our feelings, identifying those things that fulfill us so we know how to properly take care of ourselves. And then if you can do that for yourself, you're just going to show it better for not only yourself because you're worth it, but everybody else. It's going to affect the quality of your relationships and who wants to be in your circle and who you want in your circle. I know a lot of women, we can have these conversations, but one of the caveats is I, I introduce our guests by their character traits because one of the things we're also very guilty of is labels like being a mom. We will identify ourselves and decide our value based on our labels, our jobs, the things that we're doing. And what I found is when I ask women, it, let me know the character traits you'd like me to introduce you by. And I get one of three responses. There's a few that are like, okay, great. It's something to follow it along with the podcast enough. Oh, I know what she's talking about here, but others are like, they'll, they'll, list their things to do. These are great things. I'm so glad you do those. And a lot of these will come up organically in the conversation, but I want to know who you are. Are you passionate? Are you fiery? Are you impatient? Are you, you know, compassionate? And they're like, oh, but women, we have to stop and think. So we start there. And if you aren't, I've had women say no, like women will reach out and want to be guests. They want to talk about what they do, which is great. These are all women that are doing wonderful things. But you have to agree to walk through the talking points with me and to be interviewed by your character traits. And I've had a couple, not many, but a couple of like, no, that's that's not really for me. They just, they wanted to come on and talk about their thing. And that's great. But the point is we need to get comfortable having these conversations and identifying ourselves by who we are as a person and seeing other people that way too. Yes. So it's just that journey. So podcast started in 2021. We are in February, hopefully February. So I'm going to say winter. I was approached about a year ago by one of the communities I was in for podcasting of, have you thought about converting this to a book? I'm like, am I supposed to? I don't know. And they're yeah. like, yeah, you've got all this material because 
if you want to reach more women, not everyone listens to a podcast. So our first sure. four seasons, we're in season five right now, um, in the in right in the middle of season five. But our first four seasons, I have a wonderful blog writer and newsletter writer on my staff who I got right out of college, and she wants to be an author, and she um, took the work from her blogs and and put those into book form, and cited different quotes and different things from our guests. So a lot of our guests, you quotes are featured. And then I wrote a couple chapters and we added engagement pieces and we're presenting this in book form starting hopefully by winter 2024. We're in the final editing stage. So that's coming. I'm terrified because I'm like, I don't know how to do this, but we're figuring it out. We're figuring it out. Yeah, I definitely want to read that. So yeah, it, let I, me know. Really, I will. We're really excited. We're going to be promoting that a lot after the new year. And then we also will be launching in partnership with Lori Carice at 360 Talk Radio for Women, we we will be launching the Embracing Layers radio show yes, starting January that's 1st. That's amazing. Um, Congratulations. Again, thank you. I'm terrified and excited all at the same time. Lori came to me about this opportunity at the end of September. She's like, you already have a podcast in place. And I had been a guest on her radio show and she'd taken that episode and put it on the podcast. And she's like, you already have a podcast. You have this stuff in place. You're a really good fit. It's all women 24 hours a day. And it's a different medium that you have access to. So what we're going to do is we are asking friends of the field podcast and past guests and future guests and whatnot to come on board with us. They can have an hour of their own to talk about what it is they do to help women. They can have that hour for a hundred dollars and not only will they be on that episode, they'll get promoted as that hour sponsor. They'll be on our website and our Substack in perpetuity with that information for people to access. Then if they decide to be a whole six hour episode sponsor, because we'll be every Monday for six hours, I won't be talking for six hours. That's why I'm inviting <laughs> these other women on. I can talk a lot, but not for six hours, even for me. For right, six hours right. And no one wants to hear me for six hours. So they can also have an episode and then they get an ad and they get, they also get featured on the 360 talk radio podcast. There's just a lot of great opportunities, but it's a whole new audience. It's this, this whole other right. different radio audience to share your work and let women know what you're doing. So we just sent the email out on that yesterday. I just got the deck out. I'll be doing follow-up calls and having our first meeting at the end of the month, depending on who, you know, decides to come on board. But so a lot going on, that was a lot, but Super excited, super terrified, super nervous, but also super grateful that it, we just have more and more avenues opening up to share our message because we've got to have these conversations like you and I are having today. We got to take the stigmas off. I mean, this fall, we're, we've talked about sex. We've talked about alcohol. We've talked about um, domestic violence. We've talked about body image and eating disorders. Mm -hmm. We've talked about menopause. All those things that people get cringy about. No, we've got to talk about it. Got to talk about it. Yeah. No, I'm so proud of you. Just like woman <laughs> to the woman, you know, I mean, the things you're doing are just fantastic. And I'm so excited to see the book and maybe be a part of the radio show and just, just support you in any way that I can. Oh. You're doing amazing things. The one question that I ask and that I usually close with for all my guests, what's the best piece of advice that you would give your 18 year old self, if you could, and it doesn't, doesn't have to be around infertility or your yeah. miscarriage, but what would you tell that girl? That you are loved and valuable and worthy right where you are. If you sit on the couch all day long and don't move, 
you're no less valuable than you were the day before when you worked a 12 hour day. You are beautiful and valuable and you were made to be that way. And so it, love yourself, accept yourself and don't be so damn hard on yourself. That's great advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And I can't wait to have you on. I'm going to have you yeah. on. So Charlie's going to record with me in a couple months. We're going to have her this spring. So we're going to do a little swap. So I'm so excited. And thank you for doing what you do. This is hard. This is hard work. I had a friend on a couple of weeks ago and she lost a child when he was a little older. He was two. It's emotional labor what you do but it has to be done and it has to be talked about. So thank you for your courage and your willingness to put yourself out there in a topic that's very, very complicated and difficult. And it's a lot. So uh, thank you for what you do because it's not everybody can do it, but it it needs to be done and your courage is appreciated. Well, thank you. That means a lot. I really appreciate it. Some days, you know, I'm I'm sure you feel the same way. Like some days it's like crickets and then other days it's like- I have so much to talk about, or I have so many people that want, you know, so it's, it's definitely a roller coaster, but yeah, I think, you know, and I, I feel like you would agree too. I mean, it's, it's definitely worth it no matter what happens. Yeah. It's just, we're passionate about it and it's something that, yeah, we just need to do it. We I do. And we get to meet sure. women like each other that are passionate. Yes, too. Yes. And that's the most, the most encouraging thing I think we can do is just show up and support each other. I love these conversations. I always get off these conversations if I'm having a hard time or if I'm pushing hard, I'm like, is this getting through to anybody? Does anybody care? Right. Does anybody hear me? Because it's really easy in the podcast world to get stuck on how many downloads and how many listens. And it's like, no, I, I no, it, this does matter. This does yes. matter because of these conversations. So yeah, thank you so yeah. much. Thank you. And for our listeners out there, mm-hmm. how can they find your podcast and how is it best for them to get a hold of you if they want to be a guest or at least reach out to you? Where can they find you? Go to embracinglayers.com. All one word, just embracinglayers.com. And that's our website and everything's there. We have a contact form for those things you just mentioned. We have all of our episodes are on there, our blogs, our newsletters, where you can find us on social media. If you'd like to support us anyway, collaborations that we've had with other podcast and blogs, recognitions, all that stuff is there. So go to embracinglayers.com, your one-stop shop. You'll find everything you need. Our podcasts are in the typical places, the Spotify, the Apple podcast. You can find us there as well. But for all of the resources and things we offer, embracinglayers.com. Awesome. Thank you. And like I said, we'll put all the links to everything in the show notes so that it's very easy for you to find. Melissa, thank you so much again for being a guest today and for doing the work that you're doing and having these conversations, it is making a difference. Even if some days it doesn't feel like it, I just want to say I'm, I'm grateful for you and the work that you're doing. And thank you so much for being on today. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks for the work you're doing too. And it was an honor to be here with you today. That's all for today's episode and we will see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening to the life beyond infertility podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Dice. For information about our affiliates, sponsorships, and to get on our weekly newsletter list, check out the links in the show notes. See you next week.